0: We are parents, we are doctors, we are first responders, teachers, and concerned citizens who have found ourselves at a crossroads. We see our freedoms being stripped away and we can no longer stay silent. We are millions strong, united in a thundering voice and imperative mission that cannot and will not be ignored. We are standing up for the basic human right to raise our own children, earn a living, and make our own medical decisions without the tyrannical overreach that has been forced upon us here in California, across the country, and around the world. We are here to amplify the voices, moving the needle, bringing forth truth, and provide education and resources with tangible tools and expert insights. We are The Unity Project, and this is our podcast. what's up everyone i'm laura Sextro, ceo of the unity project and your podcast host on today's episode i have a heartbreaking conversation with Bree dresson a previously healthy preschool teacher and mother of two young children who was injured after participating in astrazeneca's covid vaccine clinical trial in november 2020. after months of being ignored she co-founded react 19 a science-based nonprofit organization offering financial, physical, and emotional support for those suffering from long-term COVID-19 vaccine adverse events. We talk about the horrible treatment she received from AstraZeneca that led her to facing the NIH and testifying in front of Congress, and how she is now collaborating with two US senators to get help for others injured by COVID vaccines. I'm sure you'll find this episode eye-opening. So Bree Dressen is here with us today on the podcast, and she is one of the most incredible people I've had the opportunity to meet. Uh, I actually first saw her speak in Washington, D.C. at Senator Ron Johnson's hearing and had the opportunity to hear her story and um, I'm honored to have you here with us today. So I think it would be great just to kick this off by telling everyone your, your story and uh, where you are in this fight and the organization that you represent and the people that you represent.
1: Okay, well, thanks for having me. Um, and like you said, my name is Bree Dressen and I am a previously healthy mother of two young kids and I was a preschool teacher, but I was injured by my one and only uh, COVID vaccine with AstraZeneca. It was actually here in the United States. I was so um, you know, involved in wanting Uh, to get us out of the pandemic that I enlisted in the fight by enrolling in a clinical trial. So I was injured, I experienced extreme tachycardia, blood pressure fluctuations, my legs, my legs stopped working. Um, I had severe internal vibrations where I I still feel it like I'm being electrocuted 24 seven. So my life is definitely not the same, more than 17 months after my, my injury. Wow. But because of this, you know, I was able to meet more and more like me and realize that this this isn't just a rare, isolated issue that it's it's far more widespread than any other uh, adverse event series or whatever that we've seen from previous vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, with the mandates and everything else going on, the censorship, uh, it's it's definitely caused an extreme Uh, inability for people like myself to get medical help, medical Mm -hmm. recognition, and as well as financial compensation. So because the government wasn't doing their part, and because the drug companies weren't doing their part, we had to do it ourselves. So we started a nonprofit called react19.org. And uh, we have a board, you know, that's all vaccine injured members. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's started by the vaccine injured for the vaccine injured. And our dedication is to get people well, physically, emotionally,
0: and financially. Well, let's talk about that. So first of all, how many members would you say that you've had, that you have right now um, of vaccine injured?
1: We're sitting close to about 14,000.
0: And then within my support
1: groups mm -hmm, and within my support groups that I have, uh, I'm sitting at about 32,000 and globally, I know of, uh, firsthand of about 40,000 COVID vaccine injured.
0: That is, those numbers are almost hard to wrap your mind around, 40,000 vaccine injured. And these are just people that have reached out and, and are connected with an organization and in, in an attempt to get support and knowledge, right? I'm sure that there are so many more that are out there suffering in silence uh, still not understanding um, how and, and why they're feeling the way that they're feeling and going through uh, the reactions that they're, they're experiencing, right? Um, yep. How how did you, when you first started having these, these reactions, I know you were part of a trial. Have you gotten acknowledgement from the medical community that your um, injuries are due to the vaccine? So my
1: journey with getting acknowledgement my vaccine injury, it's been long and arduous, just like many others. So Mm -hmm. uh, my story is actually not unique. That's the sad thing about this. Um, My first diagnosis I got when I was admitted to the hospital, when my legs weren't working, and I was incontinent was anxiety due to the COVID vaccine. This was two and a half weeks after my uh, injection.
0: After that, of course, I I was... I'm sorry. Let me just, I'm going to yeah. ask a quick question. Can anxiety cause paralysis and incontinence? <laughs> I mean, that, that just, that <laughs> seems ex- like a, a pretty big leap to me. I've never heard of such a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a little strange. I I learned, you know, people were the healthcare workers were so fatigued by the, you know, the pandemic at that point that mm-hmm. uh, someone crying about their legs, not working in the ER, you know, is probably not a very good thing, you know, for them to judge me by for one, but I also thought it was very odd that they sent me home with in-home intensive physical and occupational therapy because my legs weren't working and I had all kinds of other problems going on in my brain and my hands weren't working right. Uh And uh, it was anxiety. So that anxiety diagnosis plagued me clear until June. So I got injured in November. Mm -hmm. So seven long months later i landed at the nih in maryland and there i was able to get appropriate diagnoses finally and okay. so I got yeah so i got non link dependent neuropathy uh, which is basically vaccine induced neuropathy that's what it says on my chart severe pots which means gravity is not my friend if i'm horizontal my body does okay but as soon as i'm vertical then the blood drains out of my brain and my body just has a hard time getting the blood pumped back up to my brain to function.
0: Is there and what's, your, loss and, what's your uh, long term prognosis for things like um, what you've been diagnosed with?
1: Well, according to the report that the NIH just released last week, I'm cured. I'm in that study, oh, and they have me down as cured. Yeah. Okay. So as well. far but as far as prognosis, there really is no good prognosis. I mean, all of the doctors that have seen us have said, you know, just hang in there, things will get better. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, we've all been sitting with this for well over a year now, and we don't know if it's going to get better. And we're the ones that are trying to figure it out. So, mm-hmm. you know, surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, but because we're living this every single day, we're the ones that are finding what things work and what doesn't. And
0: so, you're not getting help from the medical community and trying to to understand better pathways for for your. Uh, for you guys to heal. For you Correct. in particular, we'll, we'll explore, I guess, other people's cases, but for your experience has been that you have not received help from the medical community and trying to understand how to heal.
1: Correct. I have a couple of gems though. I do have a couple of MDs that are quietly helping me and I will mm-hmm. protect them with everything I have because I need my medical care like I need air. But, sure. Uh, by and large, I mean, a typical... Um, example is I went into my rheumatologist and he can't even say the word COVID vaccine. And so whenever, whenever we talk about my injury, he says COVID-related illness. Well, your COVID-related illness has caused X, Y, and Z.
0: So, even, and though you my have, chart,
1: even though you even have from
0: the NIH stating that you have this diagnosis of vaccine injury from the NIH, your rheumatologist correct. won't even... References as a COVID vaccine injury.
1: Correct. Even with all of my ironclad documentation, evidence, people, you know, in the medical community, we can't blame them. Their licenses mm-hmm. have been threatened. They've been intimidated by their own. Uh, there's essentially witch hunts going on in the hospitals and in offices. And, in you know, the medical establishment has not fostered an environment for anything that's going to cost them extra money to figure out mm-hmm. which would be a complicated case like me mm-hmm. uh and then also you know that isn't going to you know fill the pockets of others like them like right. drug companies and lobbyists and you yeah. know so we're up against a pretty powerful machine just like
0: others are in this movement so your life life as you knew it has essentially ended is that correct absolutely my life before was
1: what i i still dream of going back to my life how it was i still have this dream that life will go back to normal but the reality is i was walking eighteen thousand steps a day when i was teaching and i can barely walk a thousand on a good day now Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to go back to helping those kids, which is what I loved. Uh, There's no way I'm going to be able to go back to being the parent that I was uh, to my kids. I can't take them to, or from soccer practice. I can't, you know, all those things. I can't even make them three meals a day right now. Um, So this, this vaccine has robbed me of a, a lot of my life. I still am able to hold on to moments here and there that are beautiful and and I'm very lucky to be alive. But at the same time, uh, it's in, it's incredible to have such a dramatic life change and have zero liability on right. anyone's shoulders for that.
0: Right. It's criminal. Right. It's criminal. So tell me a little bit about um, your organization and the work that you guys are doing to bring recognition to the fact that there are uh, known adverse reactions, probably higher than any other vaccine ever created in human history uh, with this vaccine. So what are you guys doing to help bring attention to that? And then um, tell me a little bit about the the, the people that you have that are members of your organizations that have sadly been their members because they've sadly been impacted by this vaccine.
1: So the most amazing part about our organization, obviously, is the people. I mean, there's there's nothing quite um, like getting a bunch of people together who have been robbed of their health, who have been stripped of their dignity, and are just trying to hang on every single day for, um, you know, just to make it. Uh, I had a conversation with one of our board members today, and she's been struggling for almost as long as I have, uh, and her heart is burning all the time. She has severe uh, pains in her face, and... And she's finally on a medication. And the one thing she said, she said, today is the first day since this started that I woke up and I felt like I was happy to be alive. Oh so we have goodness. people that are we have people that are just trapped in these sick bodies and enduring this mm-hmm. every day. So when you get us all together, we're not worried about petty stuff. We're not worried about you know even um, you know playdates or any of the stuff. Like we're trying to figure out how we can live in. the state that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so this is about survival. This is about figuring out how to get money into people's pockets so they can get medical care. So we've launched a fund, uh, it's called the React Care Fund. Uh, We are distributing grants about five to $10,000 to people directly for medical expenses. We've been able to issue about 170,000 out to people who need it. So we've been able to literally get people out of their beds that's and into answer. doctor's offices so they can get the critical mm-hmm. medical care that they need. Right. And then, you know, and if people want to donate, of course, we're always needing, you know, um, donations. And every single dollar that goes into that fund goes into the hands of the, the vaccine injured. And so people can text the word REACT, R-E-A-C-T, to the number five zero one five five. And every dollar they donate will go into that fund. And so um, it's a it's a good program that we've been able to set up. Um, it's one of those things where we actually can make a difference, okay. and we are able to make an immediate difference for people. Mm-hmm. The second thing that we do is we have a uh, a physicians network, and a lot of the physicians we have in the network they're underground, uh, they're quiet, but mm-hmm. we can refer patients who are in need to these physicians that are willing to see them because. As you can imagine, you know, just navigating this complicated healthcare system, even for someone who knows what they're doing is very challenging and it takes some time to work through it. But you can imagine what this added layer of censorship and medical oppression that's going on, um, how impossible it is for us to access medical care. And then we're building communities, support communities, so we have a mental health support program, we have webinars for physicians and for patients. Mm-hmm. and um yeah we have uh, research and so we've got three different research projects that we're recruiting people for and we're mm-hmm. working on launching another one so mm-hmm. you know and the nih research that came out that was supposed to be part of that but uh the study has some discrepancies and so mm-hmm. we're we're trying to figure out you know what the next step forward is going to be there right
0: incredible uh the work that you guys are doing and being vaccine injured and being able to put all of those those resources together it's really a testament to your you know the strength of your human spirit and the fight that you have in you um what i find to be amazing you talk about doctors and that you, you know doctors have to be quiet about this and living in a state like california we uh just heard today that uh, senate bill 2098 was at least it passed i believe a floor vote there'll, there'll be some um, additional legislative processes that the bill needs to go through but it, unfortunately it looks like there is a probability that this bill will pass and it is a bill that basically states that medical practitioners that um, give medical opinions that are counter to the covid narrative that's happening kind of mainstream covid narrative their licenses will be subject to review. And so as an example, if I were to go to my doctor and he were to say, hey, uh, you know, I don't recommend that you get the COVID-19 vaccine for a number of reasons, M- my my doctor's license could be up for review and he could lose his license. How, what are your thoughts on that, given everything you now know about this vaccine, what you've seen about the, the vaccine injured? And I think it's really important for people to understand because there may be this misnomer that's out that's out in the public that you know of course there's risks with everything right there's risks with every vaccine there's even risks with taking tylenol but what people don't understand is a the risk associated with this vaccine it is so um exponentially greater than anything we have seen in terms of vaccines ever before and in addition to that um, information has been withheld from the public. And I think we're seeing that now coming out in some of these, the the Pfizer documents. So uh, how does that, tell me your thoughts on on Senate Bill 2098 and the fact that we're essentially giving um, a a mechanism to the state of California to ratchet down on doctors that disagree with um, speaking the COVID narrative and pushing this vaccine agenda.
1: This thing is obviously, brought this issue to the forefront nationwide right Mm -hmm. um politics should not ever be interjected between the patient and the physician right politics has no place in the physician and patient relationship period and here's some important reasons why when this type of um, narrative went out nationwide when the medical boards nationwide Started instituting these um, draconian, you know, um, overarching statements about, you know, if you're a doctor and you're per- you're perpetuating misinformation, we're going to review your license. As soon as they made those announcements, I cannot tell you how many vaccine injured lost their doctors. Mm. And that is something that should never happen. We should never be restricting people's access to medical care for a very real disease, because somebody somewhere in an office has to be right. Mm -hmm. it's there's it's not okay um if california does pass this law i know the faces of the people that will be impacted by this law these Mm -hmm. are good people these are people that stood up and they did as they were told the government told them to get vaccinated and they lined up and they did it and now they're left abandoned and then on top of that the state of california is going to say oh if you're harmed by the way you can't actually get help either and, right. you know, forget about talking about your suffering. Right. You're just, you know, I mean, how much more barbaric do we need to be to people that are suffering? We're going right. to isolate them. We're not going to give them any financial or medical help. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we're not going to help them emotionally. What possibly could go wrong? Right. right. And then as right. far as the withholding information, absolutely, they were withholding information. You have Maddie to Gary and the Pfizer mm-hmm. trial for kids. You have Augusto Root. Uh, from the Pfizer trial for adults. Uh, You have Olivia Tessinar, who's the Moderna clinical trial participant, me from AstraZeneca clinical trial. Our information is not in there. You go in those reports, it's not there. But then on top of that, we went to the NIH. The Uh NIH was studying us. We were physically there. And they were studying us since January of 2021. They wrapped up the study time in September of 2021. Uh That entire time... They're marching forward, telling everyone this is safe and this is effective right. and everybody needs to get a shot in arm. Not one mention of the damage that it's caused while we are on inside government facilities being researched.
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I'm sure not only researched, but sequestered and silenced.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. We were told not to talk about it. Which we complied for a long time because we mm-hmm. thought they were going to release the data they were collecting on us, and then we would be able to get help.
0: Right. So it's kind of like a hostage situation. <laughs> sure. So to this day has have uh, in any of the the documents have have any one of you been mentioned to this day? Uh,
1: As of my knowledge, no, none of those documents have been fixed. Uh, I myself appealed to the New England Journal of Medicine for the discrepancies that I found in the AstraZeneca clinical trial report. Eric Rubin, who sits on the FDA advisory committee for the COVID vaccines, Mm -hmm. uh, is also the editor in chief at New England Mm -hmm. Journal of Medicine. And he let me know that uh, he wasn't going to assist in, uh, you know, finding resolution for for the discrepancies that I found because frankly, I am just one in a study with tens of thousands and he suspected it would have little to no effect.
0: There's so much wrong. There's so many levels and layers of, of wrong with that. But I guess my question would be when he references tens of thousands, uh, is he referencing tens of thousands in a clinical study? Because as I understand it, they actually had far fewer people than they uh, the, the public was led to believe involved in these studies
1: right. But on the other hand, if you even have one in a study with 20,000 people, right if you have one person with a life-altering injury to a medication, one out of 20,000, you need to let everybody know because once you multiply that amongst you know sure. an entire population, that's a lot of people, and by mm-hmm. our estimations, uh, by many experts' estimations, it's it appears that you know we're looking at a severe life-altering adverse event happening above one to one and a half percent. So just in the United States, you're looking at millions, right? Sure. And that means in California, mm-hmm. you're you're looking at a high number, and so that's mm-hmm. a lot of people moving through the medical system all at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're getting bogged down in the medical system because. We're not allowed to talk about it because the doctors are afraid to talk about it.
0: So, how does someone if if you're if the medical the medical community won't even acknowledge how does someone get help or treatment um, if they're vaccine injured? Is it through groups like yours where you guys can find kind of these covert um, doctors that are willing to step in and treat treat you? Yeah, it, it's kind of a strange. Um, underground
1: we're all moving in the shadows um it's it's not okay (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. heartbreaking the sad reality is is that the people that can't find us they don't get help we've had multiple people that have ended their lives we found about them afterwards um because they didn't know that others like them existed because so there is not in the media You know, this can't be, we can't share this on social media either. So people feel like they're the only ones like this and they're trapped Mm -hmm. in their beds. They can't go out and talk to their friends about what's happening. So, you know, we're putting people in really dire situations. I mean, if you're, if you're marching people down this path, these people need to have full and informed consent. And right now, full and informed consent means that if you're injured by a COVID vaccine, you are on your own period. Until they rectify that situation, there should be no more conversation about how many more boosters people should get.
0: Right. I I couldn't couldn't agree more at the
1: very least.
0: So, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you, have you gotten any backlash, um, from, for speaking out?
1: Just a little bit. Uh, (laughs) I get, I get arrows from both sides. Um, it's, it's it's so interesting world going from a preschool teacher where I taught love and peacemaking mm-hmm. and, you know, all of those things to a world that was, you know, the drug companies maybe covering stuff up, the government may be covering stuff up. Oh, right. And the media won't cover it because they've got all of these sponsors and, you know, mm-hmm. and then finally having like a front row seat to all of it, seeing it firsthand, I wouldn't have believed this, you know, had I not been living it. But at the same time, I mean, um, it's going to take a lot of good people, all of those people that are in the middle that see what I'm going through and they're just Mm -hmm. sitting back, you know, wanting the pandemic to be over and just wanting things to go back to normal. We need these people to come out and stand for us and fight for us because we most of us can't even get out of our houses. We're so sick. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're suffering by on our own. We need people to stand up and fight for us, fight alongside us, support us, help us, talk about this issue, because otherwise we're out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're getting arrows from both sides. Uh, on the one side, you know, we deserve it. We got Ugh. what we deserved. We got injured for taking the shot, um, you know, so we, we deserve to die. Ugh. And then on the other hand, terrible. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, because we're speaking out because we've been injured, uh, uh-huh. we deserve to die because we're probably killing people by sharing our stories about the COVID vaccine. So wow. for us, we're in a, yeah, it, there's a lot of hate, that com- a lot wow. of hate that comes our way from both sides.
0: Wow. And it's so, think about that, so illogical, right? It is so illogical what you just said, I, someone, because you're speaking out um, about your vaccine injury. And what people need to really understand is you're the people that are that are injured and you're living with those injuries and you're day in and day out trying to find uh, pathways for um, appropriate medical care and, and a community that will even help, a medical community that will even help um, treat you, right? But what about the thousands of people that have died as a result of these vaccines? They no longer have a voice. And so think about the, um, absolute like illogic, asinine thought that because you're speaking out, uh, that, that you are going to kill more people, right? I can't right. even wrap my mind around that because the reality is the fact that you're speaking out is calling awareness in an attempt to actually save people, right? Right. Um, and then the thought that that someone would—I mean—you have, have to be a really sick, sick person to say that you guys deserve what you get because you were people. To your point, you, in good faith, uh, had no reason to believe, uh, you know, other that the government uh, was was acting in good faith and that the government was doing what they were supposed to be doing. And um, you were engaging in what you thought to be was a medically sound clinical trial um, that was adhering to specific trial guidelines, and uh, so you know thank thank God for people like you because unfortunately we would never know right. I, it's it's so unfortunate the whole situation and 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 i'm being sensitive by saying unfortunate because really it's excuse the language i probably shouldn't swear but this is an absolute shit show and i cannot believe that the government um is allowed to perpetrate this crime on the human population and they're not being held responsible not only are they not being held responsible for this but they're not even being um held to uh to task to treat you, to give you guys resources to acknowledge what you're going through. Um, I think it's amazing that you did in fact get acknowledgement through the NIH and that in fact you do have that in your medical chart. Uh, But I know that there are thousands um, like you that don't have that acknowledgement. Uh, Was there anyone aside from you that was able to get that acknowledgement from the NIH? Yes, so there was, many
1: actually Uh, there were 23 people in that study we uh confirmed have knowledge of who 12 of them are all the way down to what their case number is in addition to that there were hundreds of people that we referred to the nih because as soon as we found out there was somebody in this country that knew that we that this was happening to us, I mean, they were flooded, right? Mm-hmm. And there's hundreds of people out there that have emails that say, yes, the COVID vaccine can do this and, you know, have your doctor try XYZ.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: there's a there's a slew of people with uh, dialogue with the government agencies on this. Um and it's unfortunate because these emails have gone to all of the major news outlets. Um it, it's not like we haven't tried to get word out uh, the information has absolutely been actively suppressed.
0: I'm thrilled to have you on this podcast but I as it, as we're sitting here I'm thinking that you should be on every mainstream media channel. Um, these newscasters should be clamoring to try and speak to you. I think what of of all the the guests that we've had on this podcast in my mind, your your interview, you might be the single guest that has the biggest power to save lives, simply because of of, of what you've gone through, uh, and it's 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 unbelievable to me that mainstream media is doing everything in their power to shut you down, uh, which I know is not going to happen because. Um, clearly you're stronger than all of them put together. Tell me what's next for you. What are next steps in your journey and next steps for REACT-19?
1: So next steps for REACT-19 is to grow these networks, grow the physician network, uh, You know, actually get some appropriate funds uh, into the care fund program. But then we're also starting to push on uh, the government. We're applying a pressure in congress and with the senate to fix the funding programs that are supposed to be allocated for the vaccine injury, but that's Mm going to take years you know to move through that slow moving process and these people they need help now Uh, they need emotional help now Uh, we're going to continue to push forward with advocacy programs um, publicity uh, and and really the whole goal of all of this for me is to get people well Uh, There's a lot of people out there suffering. There's a ton of kids now um, that are suffering and going through this nightmare as an adult. I would never, ever wish this on a child. Not not my wildest dreams, would I ever wish this to be happening to a child and then have a child be on their own, you know. Um, So we want people to know that we are here. Uh, We see you. We believe you. Uh, This is not in your head. And there are resources out there and, and we're going to continue to fight. Um, we're going to fight and, until uh, we get these people better.
0: What would you say to um, someone that's totally healthy, that's considering um, vaccinating their their child here? In, in uh, I'm sure you're aware, but it's probably worth repeating. Here in California, we have a ton of bills that are uh, aim, aimed and directed at Ensuring that we mass vaccinate the pediatric population. Bills like 871, which is it's been it's been put on hold, but um, doesn't mean that it can't be resurrected. Um, and 871 says that anyone um, planning to attend school, whether public or private, would need to be vaccinated for the COVID-19 uh, virus. So, what would you say to a parent that's considering vaccinating their child?
1: I think this is something that every parent, number one, every single parent in the United States should have the absolute right to choose what does and does not happen to their child, right? Number two, informed consent is not happening in this country until that is happening. I would not, you know, I would not recommend anyone doing that. Um, My own kids, and this is the interesting thing because in our groups, we have people where a parent has been injured. Mm -hmm. And because of the aggressive campaign to continue to get shots in arms, Mm -hmm. they went and got their kids vaccinated and now their kids are injured.
0: Oh my goodness. Um,
1: Yeah. So you can imagine having multiple people in a home with a severe illness. I mean, the whole ship goes down, right? Wow. Um, So had this not happened to me, I do question. I still would have been blind to it. I would have marched my kids up and I would have, you know, got them shots. And this very well could have happened to my kids because they have my DNA. Uh, And I never would have been able to forgive myself. So um, I know COVID is a real thing. I know it's a scary thing, but let's be honest. I mean, even if the vaccines were not causing the damage that they are, even if you remove that and you look at just the efficacy, these things are not what they're meant to be. Like, this is not something that should be compulsory. You've got something that was based on a technology and a variant that is completely gone. Alpha variant is gone. It's the most neuroinvasive variant of the disease. And now we're working with um, Omicron AB, right? And so we're several variants into this thing, and we're still going to be vaccinating for a variant that is completely gone. Uh, so okay. we're injecting okay. something into people that it's completely pointless. So we're upsetting the immune system. We're doing all kinds of things to the body that is unnecessary. So they need a new technology. Bill Gates himself has said that we need a new way to do the vaccines. So he himself understands that the current COVID vaccines are not holding up to the standard of what people should expect from something that they're going to inject into their bodies. Um, So as far as I, you know, I and at the end of the day, the reality is, you know, informed consent is you're on your own. So if your kid is injured, you know, your pediatrician is going to have no idea what to do with your kid.
0: Right. So, and that, yeah. That's actually a really, a, a, an interesting perspective. So even if you, so if you become injured from one of these vaccines to your point, you are on your own. You're not, right. it's going to be extremely difficult to get a diagnosis. And then to get a pathway of medical intervention to help support you, uh, which is very, very terrifying. Um, I, and then just I, to I watch to, your
1: child suffer like that—I
0: mean, it's, mother, we've it's a mother, seen it's, a, it. it's a parent's it's night- worst nightmare. nightmare. I can't, yes, I can't imagine. And we've seen it. Like we've
1: seen um, kids laying in the hospital, and all they can do is open and close their eyes, and that's oh it. They gosh. can't talk. They can't. You know, no parent wants to see their child like that um so you know caution
0: right Lay- laying there and and not and, and being completely helpless right to to help in any way having to watch you your s- child go through that
1: yes and every single one of these parents they tell their doctors in the er's i mm-hmm. my kid had the vaccine 24 hours before 48 hours before 4 days before mm-hmm. this happened and the doctors will all say oh, the vaccine didn't have anything to do with this. And if you're not willing to actually look at what could cause this, you're going to miss a whole mm-hmm. plethora of treatment options that are specific for people that are having an immune dysfunction or an right. immune dysregulation.
0: Right, right. So. Well, I tend to agree with Dr. Paul Alexander, who has been um, nicknamed the lock them up doctor. And i I tend to agree with him. I think that every person that participated in this uh needs to there needs to be a day of reckoning and i do think that they need to be held responsible and a majority of them do, do need to be locked up um i what has happened to you and to um, the other vaccine injured population and that vaccine injured population is continuing to grow um is horrendous and it it feels the the, the people that are dying it feels almost genocidal um, when you know, when you look at the the known data that we have that that is that government officials now have access to and knowledge of, and the fact that we continue to deploy these vaccines into the human population, and not only deploy them, um, that we're creating bills and initiatives to force vaccinate people, and in particular, force va- vaccinate the pediatric population, it feels particularly uh, nefarious. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. I know this has been a difficult interview. I'm sure every interview, every interaction is probably difficult given everything that you're suffering from. So I, I'm so grateful for, you know, for having you here. I'm grateful. Uh, for the fact that you are willing to, willing speak, to speak out about, about this, this and speak out, out about, it, about it, not only in the face of uh, the fact that you're dealing with your own injury, injury but also now, now the fact you that, that you have to deal with people attacking you for being so brave as, and, bold as and bold as to speak out, out um, and to help, help educate and in an attempt, attempt to try and protect uh, other people from what's happened, things that have happened to you, right? So thank you for being here. How can people follow you? So they can find us through react19.org. We're also on
1: Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't really do other social media channels just because I'm funneling all of my energy into uh, getting this
0: uh, out for people to have as a useful resource. Uh, And again, how can people donate to your organization? So people can, they can either
1: go on the website and click donate, and there's a whole page there with different options, or you can pick up your phone and text REACT to the number 50155, and it'll send you a little prompt, super slick, uh, makes it really easy to uh, donate.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks for being here with us, Bree. and um, I will be following everything that you're doing and uh, know that you're going to be successful. You'll be a big part of us stopping what's happening in this country with regard to these vaccines. Well, thanks for having me. From all of us at the Unity Project, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope to continue producing content that amplifies voices, strategies, and resources. Please keep in mind that the Unity Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies on the contributions of our generous supporters to fuel the work we do in this movement. If you value our efforts, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today by visiting our website at www.unityproject.com and clicking the donate button. We very much appreciate your continued support and confidence, without which our work wouldn't be possible.